Hey guys, welcome to the Fit Town Show. This is Coach Andrew with Coach Amanda and Coach Arlen today. And today we're going to be sharing some personal stories of us facing confidence and gaining confidence in our own lives and places in our lives where we were unconfident for very long and, and have had to develop and gain that confidence. So uh, we also have another episode with Nick and Melissa that may be released before or after this that has similar stories. Um, and I shared a story on that personally, and I have another one that I'm going to share on this one as well. Um, so we're going to let Amanda kick it off with uh, her experience of having to face lack of confidence and where she gained that. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess starting off, well, if you didn't know, I'm a female. I don't know if you guys knew. Okay. Anyways, I'm a female. So um, one of the biggest things was I knew I always wanted to work in sports from I don't know, playing high school sports, playing college sports. I wanted to be in something athletic. And that was kind of just my dream, my goal, my, my everyday thought process. And I started out teaching in Arizona and got to coach sports. And that was really fun. But I felt like there was something more that I wanted. So I up and moved to Houston. And that was kind of like the life shock to me because Houston was very white male like I'm the one that gets hired for everything and I got told a lot you're a female you can't do it um you're a female you don't look the part you're not strong enough you're too pretty you're too whatever you name it I was told it um and that actually hurt my confidence for a while I wish someone told me it was too pretty <laughs> I, <laughs> just decided. I did I <laughs> keep going you know it's one of those things it too was so strong. weird I was in I was too in in I was in an interview and this girl told me like, you're never gonna get a job doing what you wanna do in strength and conditioning because you're too pretty. Mm. I was like, what do I do? Do I like run myself over in the parking lot? Like, how do, how, how do you combat that? Like, all right, I mean, thanks, I think, I'm kinda worried. Um, but I just got told a lot that it was like, no, there's no way, no one's gonna listen to you, you're not gonna be authoritative enough for that spot. Um, and I just kept trying because I felt like I had the confidence in myself of, I know I can do this and I know I'm good at it. So I'm just gonna keep rolling with it and I'm gonna keep trying and I'm gonna keep applying for jobs and kinda see what happens. And I got told no a lot, so. Yeah, and you said that shifted for you when you went to Boston. So yes. how did that shift? So the biggest shift there was getting myself out of Texas for a moment and moving to a state that was very accepting of females in lead positions. Um, and they actually were striving to find females for their women's sports teams, for uh, just different jobs and that sort of thing. And I thought that was really cool. It gave me that little bit of light of, okay, so I was closed off in this box of no females allowed, but now there's this light of, no, we, we love when females are here because we know their attention to detail. They're really good at what they do and they're, they focus a lot into it, they put a lot into it. And so that kind of started my span again. And I got to work with the strength and conditioning coaches at Harvard that were just amazing in that aspect and helped kind of lead me through it. They said, you have a natural gift of leading people and just you know, kind of helped me hone in on like learning programming stuff and that kind of thing. And the better I got at that, the more confident I became in it. And it just took me being confident and having somebody else's confidence in me to kind of boost it even more. And then what I think is cool is you went back to Houston and ended up coaching there before coming here. So it's cool that you were able to break through and not have to just be in an environment that was accepting of 
you know, more accepting of females or more promoting of females in those positions to succeed and do what you wanted to do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. When I moved back, I, I remember my flight very well. I cried the whole way home or the whole way back to Houston. Cause I was like, I can't believe I'm going back to Houston. I don't feel like I'm meant to be here, but I'm just going to keep trying. And so because I got put back there, I really did have to break through that adversity and kind of learn a little more about myself. I started coaching a lot more. Um, I took an internship at University of Houston, got to kind of work with football and track and uh, a lot of heavy, heavy lifting men. And it was really cool for me because they trusted me and then I trusted me more. So I kind of laugh a lot. We, we kind of talked about like the bench press stuff, but I laughed a lot here because a lot of times people are like, ooh, I don't know if you can, like, can you spot me? Are you sure? I'm like, listen, I used to spot linemen for football. I think I'm going to be okay. Um, but it's, it's been fun because it's just turned that confidence for me. Yeah. How'd you get here? Oh, goodness. Well, that's another fun story. Robert Wells, if you're listening out there, you'll love this. Um, my best friend in Oklahoma, I actually sent him the post and was like, dude, this would be so cool. I was like, man, I always get told no, like I'm just not even, it's not worth writing another email or writing another thing up and being told no. And um, he just kind of like stopped for a minute and said, okay, but what do you have to lose? You don't want to be in Houston. You know that you're going to do better somewhere else. Why not just try? And I was yeah. like, you know what? You're right. All right. So I sent an email and hello, I'm here. <laughs> I remember when you flew out and you were like, yeah. out with us. And I remember yeah. that, uh, the whole like weekend and everything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I exactly. think that's really cool. Like, it's not, we talk about like the four things that we're focusing on, which is effort over outcome, trying something new, putting in the reps and following through. The one thing that comes up for both of you, and our, we'll get to Arlen here in a second, is like having a support system of someone who believes in you. You had people at Harvard that mm -hmm. reinforce that, no, you can do this. You have a talent for this. And you have this friend in your life that's like, go for it, try it. And I think, do we, do we necessarily want to get our confidence from outside sources? I don't think so, but it does speak to surrounding yourself with people who are going to infuse you with confidence as opposed to take away from it. Yeah. I agree 100%, because we all have that little bit of confidence somewhere, um, which starts with that, I think, but I don't know. And so when we have that little bit and somebody just says, no, I know you can, it's like, okay, you're right. Let me just try and see what happens. Kind of pushes you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and so then when you try and you're like, oh, I, okay, I can do that. Okay, cool. And now that confidence starts to build, and then it just kind of builds on top. Awesome. Yeah. So the next thing that we want to talk about, which is something that we all share, which is uh, we all have struggled at some point in our lives with public speaking, being on <laughs> camera, doing exactly what we're doing right now. <laughs> so true. And, uh, you know, there was a time in my life, I, I, I could literally remember the exact date, I don't know what the date was, but like being in middle school, like having to be in front of the class and just like not being able to talk, like mm -hmm. not being able to say the words I wanted to say. And like, even to this day, I don't like reading. Like if I had to read here on camera, I would hate <laughs> doing it. Um, but like I've put in the reps and I've been, been able to gain confidence over time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there was a good, I would say, all of, all of the second half of middle school, all of high school, into my first year of college, really until I took a public speaking course my freshman year, um, that started to get the reps in, give me some confidence. But up until that point, like, I would say there were probably very few days, maybe not a single day that went by that I wasn't like scared to be put on the spot, scared mm -hmm. to be in front of a group, whether that be like 
in, in the class, in my sports teams, things like that. And I dreaded it. Like, I absolutely dreaded it. And it's very crazy that, like, this is the thing that I'm doing right now and doing the majority of. Um, but I know you guys have had experiences with that as well. Yes, big time. <laughs> uh, same thing, kind of growing up into, like, through middle school, high school, like, always worried about, you know, giving a presentation, right? And speaking in front of the whole class and like messing up your words and doing all this kind of stuff, right? And like, it was just kind of continued into uh, a little bit in the college. Same thing, I actually took uh, public speaking in uh, at junior college as well. Mm -hmm. That helped me a little bit, but still I was like, you know, no, I don't want to do it, I don't want to yeah. do it. Like always dreading like the night before, like, can I say this, can I remember this, can I do all this kind of stuff? And so like, you know, I kind of went in the opposite direction of going engineering. <laughs> well, I, I don't need to talk to people. <laughs> right? I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm like, work on my computer, just like stay in your cubicle, stay there kind of thing, you know, work on numbers. Yeah. Um, so moving out here with Katie um, and when we decided to start having a family, it was like, do we want to stay in this position where I'm still at the cubicle for 10, 12 hours a day and not be a part of the family, not raise the child I want to have, right, and, and be a family together. So we made the decision together to change that, right? And so I was like, you know, I was going over here to uh, the local gym over here, Hugh. Uh, I lost a, a lot of weight. I was kind of gaining a little bit of confidence in that. And I coached back in California and Arizona, like some sports like I-9 sports and a few other things too. So I was like, I think I can do this. Mm -hmm. I want to do something like this. I know I can make a good amount of money to help support my family, but also have the freedom to be with my family, right? I remember the day after going through a little bit of training, I don't remember exact same thing, not the exact day, but I remember being in front of the normal crew I used to work out with and just being like, uh, <laughs> like, okay, here we go. Like, this is exactly what's gonna happen. And I look over at Katie after I go over the train wreck of my first class that I coached and she just goes this is what you're going to try and do we have a lot of work big boy let's go and I was like oh here we go I can even picture the Katie face oh yeah you can can't you so um you know just putting in you know class after class after class and day after day after day putting all the reps and following through and now I'm here at this place and it's everything like we had hoped for, even like bouncing around to, between a couple other uh, gyms and, and coaching positions and stuff like that. And having her as that rock and that support system where I wanted to do it, but she was like, we're going to do this together. I can help float our boat, but you're going to be involved the way we want you to be involved as like a parent and, and the family and everything. So for... For her to be there and be a part of it was a huge like catalyst to kind of push me towards that that position too. It was so like the unknown, right? We like trained for the unknown and everything like that, unknowable, but like that unknown of like, I'm not sure, I think I can do it, like what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But her going, let's go, let's do it. That was it was huge. It's yeah. so in, like going back to your original like your choice of major, I think is so fascinating <laughs> because I wonder how much of that whether consciously or subconsciously was like an avoidance of like, yeah. you know, this thing that I am yeah. not confident in. And I know you have good 
you have the you have the right uh, intelligence and skill set for engineering too. So the I don't think it was right, it was it was specifically purely about avoiding something else. But I, I'm curious if if you would have chosen differently had you been more confident in yeah, in this. I don't know. That's a that's a really good question. I mean, I was really good at you know math and science and everything. I think that helped me go that route, but maybe subconsciously I was like, I don't want to be in front of people. I don't want to mm -hmm. do like a lot of stuff like this. And you know, yeah, here we are yeah, now. Yeah. And I remember my first class that I coached here interviewing. Uh, and that was like even another step past that. Cause I think of all the classes um, that I coach, I can remember at least, I think one of the bigger ones was probably like, you know, 25 to 30 ish. And the first class here was on a Sunday and you were in the corner by the kids room <laughs> and uh, Austin and I were coaching. He was like, all right, you're going to, you're going to take lead on this. I'm like, okay. And I just see person after person after person <laughs> come in and I'm like, this class is starting to get kind of big. I'm like, one, two, three, you know, I'm starting to count. And this is before, obviously with all the, the COVID stuff and everything. 40 person class. Class cap. Yeah, days. but even before 40, a 40 person uh, class cap. That's true, we didn't have caps. We didn't mm -hmm. have that at that time. It was between like Christmas and New Year's, or, like the holidays, and like everyone was here like visiting. I think we ended up close to like 60 something, <laughs> like 67, 62. It was something, it was like right under like 70 people. I'm like looking out, I'm like, there's a sea of faces and eyes. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, don't panic. <laughs> like, here we go. We got it. And I remember, like, it definitely was not the best class I coached, but I followed through with it because this is exactly what we were looking for. And I'm thankful, thankful I'm still here yeah. <laughs> after that. I'm so glad you didn't judge me specifically <laughs> on that one class there. Oh my How gosh. about you, Amanda? Okay, well, I'm kind of a little bit the opposite in the way that. I have never really had a fear talking in person. I've never had problems in projects and I could get up in front of a ton of people on stage and give a speech and I was fine. My problem stemmed from the camera. Something about looking at a camera and making eye contact with the thing that you can't make eye contact with freaked me out. So <laughs> I can actually think back to when I started my master's program, I had to turn in all of these video projects and I was like, it took me 87 takes per video, probably at a minimum. But I would turn it on and I was like, why do I look so weird? <laughs> oh gosh, I look like an alien. And then it was like, I would do like these weird things with my hands and I'm like, what are you doing? Like Bobby, like, yeah, like, I don't know what to do with my I don't know. And it just was so, and I'm like, why is this so hard? Like, what is the deal? So I, I kept having to do them, kept having to do them, didn't get any better at them, moved out here, Still had a panic attack when Zach called me up one day and was like, hey, do you want to be my demo person? Robbie's not here. And I was like, okay, I don't even have to talk on camera and I'm freaking out because I'm on camera. I'm like, okay, this is, it's going to be fine. So I got through that one. And then all of a sudden it was like, all right, Amanda, you're going to be programmer now. And I was like, wait, so that means I have to talk on camera. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Nick's my sidekick. Like, it's going to be fine. But I remember being like, I don't think I can do this in one take. And it was like, it was all about like the one take wonder and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't think I can do this in one take. Like, I'm freaking out. I made it through the first one. Kathy Spicer was there. She was like, you did it. You made it. You made it through a one take. You're so great. And I was like, I still feel like I looked really weird. Um, and so I was just like panicking the whole time. And 
I still don't think I would have been very comfortable had COVID shutdown not happened. So when that happened, it was like, all right, seven days a week of videos, you're doing warm-ups, you're doing like class stuff, you're gonna jump in, you're gonna demo for Arlen stuff. And it was just, I think after like the first week of just bam, 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 like doing six, seven videos in a row that I was like, okay, now it's just like I'm talking to a person yeah. and the camera's a person and here we are. Like, I, I remember those know. days, oh my God. It's probably what, five, 600 videos at this point. Probably pretty close to that. Jane, <laughs> all of that yeah. stuff, all of the other stuff, doing follow alongs now. I feel like it just kind of became more of a routine, but it took, again, putting in the reps of like, okay, you're gonna, the only way you're gonna get better at it is just keep doing it. At yeah. some point you're gonna figure it out, so. I think you judge yourself hard. Oh, like so you're hard. your own like worst critic, your own yeah. like everything. And so uh, afterwards, I remember you're like, that sounded terrible. I'm like, what are you talking about? That sounded kind of great. Like, I, I don't know <laughs> if so I look weird. Like, is this right? Like, do I do a knee drop this way? Right? Or? <laughs> oh my gosh. No, it's so true. I just remember like going back, going back to that first video I did for my class. And I like was taking screenshots and basically making fun of myself. Like, you know, the alien in um, Men in Black that has like the really broad shoulders and he has like this little skinny yeah. head. <laughs> so that's what I thought I looked like on camera. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> people are gonna be like, who is this girl? <laughs> like trying to tell us to do stuff. And so it, it just, it's funny now because I'm just on camera so much that it's, I don't know, it's nice, it's good. Yeah, it's, oh. it's crazy. And I, I, I kind of did some rough math. I was like, how many have I done? So I was like, okay, I've probably done like 5,000 classes. Yeah. And that's actually since opening the gym. You could probably add another 1,000 to that. So like 6,000 classes, like 300 podcasts, like that's hundreds funny. of videos, and still like get nervous every yeah. time I do it. So I think that's another thing to realize is like you'll never get to the point where it just completely goes away. Mm -hmm. Now, over time, I've been able to reframe that nervousness as nervousness or anxiety to yep. excitement and like I can't you know, I'm excited to do this I'm excited to share and I like what you said about like you're just talking to a person because I've I've gotten over it by focusing on like okay like what what am I really trying to achieve like mm -hmm. I ultimately I want to help the person on the other side of this video or the person that's in the class and like when I connect with that it becomes a lot easier and it's, it's less about me and it's more about them. Exactly. And once I start focusing on that, then a lot of that pressure comes off. Mm -hmm. I did hear this thing one time. I don't remember who it was, but it was like a music artist or whatever. And they said, do you get nervous when you go on stage? And they said, yeah, every time. I'd be more worried if I wasn't. Yeah. Because if I'm not, then I'm not excited about what I'm doing and I don't really care about what I'm doing. So I think when you have that amount of care, that's what makes you nervous in the first place because you actually want to do well with it. So yeah, it's good. I agree. Like playing sports, growing up, mm -hmm. like right before the game, I was always like, you know, nervous, excited, anxious. And it was always like, why am I like this right now? Like, but it's like excited, right? Mm -hmm. And because you do care about yep. doing well, you do care about like performing and everything. So I think there's a definite element to that. And like, pushing past that for like excitement you're excited to actually go out and and do that yeah yeah, yeah. cool so arlen i know you had one more thing that you want to share kind of related to family and just having yeah. that personal growth side of things so. yeah so like growing up it was a household like to uh, like taught at a very young age to uh defend yourself and believe in what you believe in right like grow up like if someone is, you know, talking to you and it's not something that you agree with, like stand up for what you believe in, right? 
Uh, so, you know, it was a household to, to develop that, which is great, but like I was always uh, afraid to uh, come back and stand my ground even more so. So if someone says something, I would like defend myself and they come back again, I would always like kind of like cower, if you will, like not like physically necessarily, but like more like internally. Mm -hmm. And then like being of my mind, I would always overanalyze everything. Just like- You? Yeah, yeah me, oh my God. <laughs> I'm always like, well, why did they say this? I could have said this instead. Like I could have come up with this answer. And then I like sitting there, I'm like, I spent like an hour doing nothing and sitting in the corner and like just thinking about this whole thing that have that has nothing to do with anything. I don't even remember half of those things that even happened at that time anyway. Uh, so it was always like, that kind of environment to, you know, stand up for what you believe in. So like, I guess a little bit of, a, not the right word, a confrontation, I guess, mm -hmm. like being comfortable talking with someone. I guess like, I think we talked about it before is like having a difficult conversation yeah. and yeah. being comfortable expressing to somebody in a uh, factual, non-emotional setting, mm -hmm. right? And just like being open and honest with them. Because that's what they deserve and that's what you deserve as well, like coming back towards you, right? So just like growing up and having like those kind of experiences throughout like high school, like not really like feeling comfortable doing that. And I guess like moving out and then going to uh, college in Arizona and then coming back and living on my own and having different jobs and life experiences, like finally getting comfortable talking to people. And then like this environment here, like you know what, you're going to have to own up to it and talk to that person, whether it's a member or, or a coach or, or whoever it is, like you didn't like it, talk to them, but be honest and be nice about it. You don't have to be aggressive or, you know, whatever, like you, you can be assertive, but don't be, you know, mean about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So like growing up and changing that mindset. Now I'm very, very, comfortable in that sense. I'm sure some of my fellow coaches are aware of that as well. <laughs> and uh, some of the other members are probably too, but it just took, you know, some life experiences, especially with like uh, some falling out with friends and family to really gain that experience, putting through those, you know, reps, unfortunately, mm -hmm. right? Those yeah. are reps that you don't want to do, but they are essential to who I am now and what I'm able to do uh, and have those difficult conversations. So yeah, from talking to you earlier, it sounds like there was a lot of like sweeping things under the rug, kind of like keeping the peace and yeah. essentially to uh, avoid those short term hits to your confidence to maybe have a conversation. It, it created more longer term, bigger issues that now you're like, it sounds like you're like, well, I don't want that. I don't want that bigger long term thing to happen. Yeah. So I'm going to attack it as it's happening in real time. Yeah. As it happens in real time, especially like again, going back to overanalyzing something, it becomes such a burden on me and then it affects those who are around me, coaches, friends, members, uh, and then like my family too, like talking with Katie or hanging out with Charlie, like a lot of it, it comes out sometimes if I don't get it out and I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like right. I need to take a step back. This is subconsciously bothering me that it's coming out now. I need to have that conversation. So yep. it's off my chest, it's off my shoulders. I need to do this because then I'm a better person, right? right? So it turned into a fear of it into, I'm not obviously not excited about it. I don't like those things <laughs> ever, but I am way more comfortable 
having those conversations mm-hmm. and then pushing through that and then I'm a better person for it. So right. awesome. We'll wrap up on that. Thanks guys. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you.